Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Sound Prince for the week of October 24, 2019. First up this week, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana is hosting a very special conference call on Monday, October 28 at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. The guest speaker will be Mark Gillard of Guide Dogs for the Blind in San Rafael, California. He will discuss the school's new Orientation and Mobility Immersion Program, which is open to individuals who need O&M training. Participants do not need to be guide dog users. Join the call from anywhere in the country by dialing 605-475-6006 and entering code 294444. Pre-registration is now open for the 2019 KCB Conference and Convention, coming up November 15 and 16 in Louisville. This two-day event is absolutely packed with information, technology, entertainment, good food, and great fun. Amanda Selm, this year's convention coordinator, joins us on page two with an overview of what's happening and how you can be part of the fun. Microsoft is awarding exciting grants to fund the creation of innovative applications of artificial intelligence that can benefit people with many different disabilities. Read about three such grants on page three, including a new application that can teach Braille to blind children. On page four, we bring you the last part of our focus on diabetes. This week, we explore myths about diabetes, menus for healthier eating, and more. And on page five is the Sound Prince calendar. Page two. The 2019 Conference and Convention of the Kentucky Council of the Blind is almost here. It's coming up November 15 and 16 here in Louisville at United Crescent Hill Ministries. And on the phone with me is Amanda Selm, who is once again the convention coordinator for the KCB convention. And we're going to talk about some of the exciting things that are coming up for the weekend and just give you an overview of what's going to be happening. Welcome, Amanda. Hi. Great to be back. Oh, and convention is almost here. Can you believe it? I know. I think it's like we're, we're less than a month away. I always know when it gets to Halloween or the week before Halloween, actually, it's getting closer. Amanda, the pre-registration is now open and the packets have gone out and we have posted, made the first posting of the registration information on the email list. We'll be posting that again in case people missed it and so on. But um, let's talk a little bit just about what's happening at the convention in case we have some new people out there that either aren't familiar with the convention. Well, first of all, if you've never been to one of our conventions here in Kentucky, you are in for a real treat because we treat everybody like family around here, and that includes feeding them well. I am so excited for this year's convention because our theme is KCB in the Spotlight. So it's going to tie some, it's going to be basically a movie theme. It's going to tie some things from Hollywood and with with the movie. So some of the rooms and things at United Crescent Hill Ministries, which is where the convention will be held, uh, may be named after a movie or something related to a movie. Um, We've got a lot of really great breakout sessions to choose from, a lot of technology. We've got a great exhibit hall. 
uh, that's getting uh, that, that's get, it's in the works. It's getting put together. We have a lot of people coming out um, who you know make things or sell things. So that that's always good to see uh, who comes out for that. And then, of course, we have our chapter meetings and chapter sponsored events or our sessions, I guess I should say. And um, of course. Also, again, this year, we've got our best offer auction, and that's always entertaining, I have to say. So that's just a little <laughs> bit. And then, of course, we have uh, Patty, who's cooking for us this year. We've got a lot of great food on the menu. We will begin with the premier lunch on Friday, and um, the afternoon will be filled with concurrent sessions, some technology uh, some um, high-interest kinds of, of things, things that have to do with low vision, um, mm-hmm. some general interest kinds of, of activities. Uh, there's a couple of chapters that are holding meetings on Friday afternoon. One of them is the Tri-State Library users. They kind of kick off the convention um, right after lunch, they did last year, and it was a very successful meeting. So they're going to be in that spot again. And Barbara Pentagore from the Talking Book Library in Frankfurt um, is going to be there, and she will be sharing some additional things, new things that are um, kind of under her direction this year. That, that her job has kind of expanded over just being the director of the Kentucky Talking Book Library. Um, and then, let's see, Guide Dog Users, um, they have a meeting on Friday afternoon, and they have a, a special presentation. They're actually going to have two, two um, concurrent sessions because they're going to be following along that movie theme. Yes, they'll be showing the Pick of the Litter movie, and that talks about how, you know, um, the puppy that it goes from basically when they're puppies all the way up to when they become guide dogs and I know a lot of people are really excited about that it'll be a great educational opportunity mm-hmm. for people as well yes and both of those chapters will be holding business meetings and elections as part of, of that convention there will be two other chapters meeting on Saturday, both at 9 a.m., and one is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, which is of special interest to um, people who are just losing their vision or who are visually impaired. And the other one is one that you're really involved with a lot, and that is? KCV Next Generation, uh, Kentucky Council of the Blind Next Generation, and both of those chapters will be holding elections and a business meeting as well that morning. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, the meeting of the Low Vision chapter will have a special guest because our ACB guest this year is Sarah Conrad. Sarah. Tell us a little bit about Sarah. So Sarah Conrad is, um, first of all, she is uh, in the under 40 age range, so that's, that's one reason why I'm very excited to have her here because she is already in a position of leadership in ACB. Uh, She is a director on the ACB board and she is also the president of the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International, which is CCLVI, which is 
um, the special interest affiliate that the KCCLV, Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, is a part of. We're a, a state chapter of that. And I'm very, very excited to have her here because not only is she those two things, she's also an attorney. And um, I'm very excited about that as well. And I, I, her background is just phenomenal. Uh, you know, she has she also has a bachelor's degree in special education as well, um, which is very interesting. So um, we're very excited to have her here. This is her first time actually in where she'll be in Louisville, Kentucky. So we're going to show her a good time as well. She's going to be speaking at our Friday evening dinner, which is called the Golden Globe Dinner, um, and she'll be talking about things that are going on in ACB, and it'll be a great opportunity for people to find out more about what's happening in ACB. We have a couple of other things that I think are going to be just really fun and of, of interest to people on Saturday afternoon. Um, we're going to be attending a play called Radio Waves, uh, and that's being put on by the American Printing House for the Blind. It was actually written by Fred Otto, whom many of us know and who has been uh, at APH for a long time, and it's about 100 years of radio history. But the neatest thing about it is the actors and actresses in that play are talking book narrators. We also will have Mike Hudson for, he's our dinner speaker on Saturday night, and he'll be talking about um, the acquisition that the American Printing House for the Blind um, has made of all of the extensive Helen Keller co collection of um, all kinds of documents and artifacts and um, just interesting things um, that used to be housed at the American Foundation for the Blind. And APH is going to be getting all of those things. And the thing that makes it so cool um, about his coming and talking to us is that um, one of the things that's already at APH is a, an Academy Award that was won by Helen Keller um, many years ago, and uh, that just fits right in with our theme. Let's talk a little bit about the um, registration for the convention. Um, the, tell us, uh, tell us uh, how people can register and how they can get more information. As most of you probably know, and if you are a first-timer, registration is required whether you're attending the entire convention or just one one event. And um, we have a couple of different registration packages. The first one is, and I highly recommend just going on and purchasing this one, is our two-day package, and that is $50. That includes all of your meals. That includes your materials, uh, access to the exhibit hall, everything, everything for the two days. But if you're only able to be with us one day, we do have a one-day pass, and that's 35. Uh, and that is, that's good for either um, Saturday or um, that's good for either Saturday or Friday, Friday or Saturday. And um, let's see. And then we also, you can also purchase the individual tickets 
as well. Uh, but there's a $10 registration fee uh, required for that. So our convention is easily affordable, and we, we do our best to make sure that all of our all of our guests have a good time and they get their money's worth at our convention. Um, I highly recommend no matter which one you choose that um, you um, make sure that, you know, you you um, find some things that you love and that you're interested in. Amanda, um, tell us about the stipends that um, if people are members of KCB, uh, and also a couple of the chapters, there are some stipends that they can take advantage mm-hmm. of. So give us a little bit of information on that. Sure. So if you are a member of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and uh, you are planning to attend convention and if you live outside of the Louisville area excuse me, and you need to travel to get here, uh, we have a $75 stipend that you can use towards your travel expenses or hotels and things like that. And that is specifically because um, that is specifically because those people have expenses that they need to plan for, and we do our best to help out with that. If you are within the Louisville area, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind is providing a $25 stipend if you are a member of the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. And both of those stipends do require that you attend both days of the convention in order to be eligible for the stipend. If you're interested in in obtaining the stipend, you know, go ahead and plan to attend both days. Um, you'll you'll you we guarantee you will have so much to do and so many things to to pick from that you won't be sorry that you did that. Um, also, uh, let's talk just a little bit about the hotel. Um, we are using the Ramada Inn North again. We've used that hotel in the past. And anyone who wishes to stay at the hotel is more than welcome to do so. The room rate is $79 a night plus tax. And you can have up to four people in a room for that rate. Rooms have refrigerators and microwaves. And the, um, the room also includes a free breakfast the next morning. Now, you don't have to worry about that on Saturday morning because KCB is going to have a continental breakfast and also a brunch. So you will be well-fed on Saturday morning. But if you stay Saturday night, you may want to get up Sunday morning and have breakfast before you go. And the hotel does include that with the room night. Yes, um, and there's also, if you arrive early... On Thursday, or if you're staying before you check out on Sunday, there's also an El Nepal restaurant in the hotel as well. Very good Mexican food. And the staff at the Ramada have just been very nice and accommodating. Also, if you're wondering, well, if I stay at the Ramada and the convention is over at United Crestdale Ministries, how will I get back and forth? And um, tell us what we're going to be doing about that. So... The Kentucky Council of the Blind is going to be providing transportation from the Ramada to UCHM and vice versa via uh, Uber and Lyft. So if you are staying at the hotel and you need a ride, all you're going to need to do is to call us over at registration and we'll get you set up with a ride as soon as possible. And the same thing for 
when you head back to the hotel, you'll just let us know when you're ready to head back, and we will do our and we'll do our best to accommodate you again there. So it's very simple, and it's a very short ride too. It's only yes, about what absolutely. five six minutes from the from UCHM over to the Ramada, so it's really close. Now we don't offer the the Uber and Lyft if you choose to stay at another hotel. It just from the Ramada to to United Crescent Hill Ministries. So if you if you want to come to the convention and you prefer to stay somewhere else, you are perfectly free to do so. But the Uber and Lyft transportation would not be available from a different hotel. That is correct. Yeah. Amanda, how can people get more information about the convention. You can go online to our website, which is kentucky-acb.org, kentucky-acb.org, and there's lots of great information right there on the front of our website about the convention. You can also give us a call on the KCB phone line. Mm-hmm, which is 502-895-4598. Well, it's going to be great, Amanda. It It is just going to be so much fun. Thank you, Carla, and I, I couldn't have done it without my amazing team. Hey, thanks, Amanda. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's going to be a great convention. I'm very excited. Page three. The following article was posted on news.microsoft.com and is entitled, Ideas from the Heart Could Make Employment More Attainable for People with Disabilities. Kim Charlson was 11 when she started losing her eyesight because of glaucoma. An operation a year and a half later not only didn't help, it resulted in complications that hastened her blindness. Her pragmatic parents insisted she learn Braille a key to literacy for people who are blind or have low vision. Without that literacy, Charleston likely wouldn't have gone on to college or a career. Only 13% of blind students in the United States know Braille, and roughly 70% of adults who are blind or have low vision are unemployed. Those troubling statistics are one reason Charlson is excited about an app that will help increase the amount of time students can spend learning and practicing Braille. Objective Ed, the company that's developing the Braille AI Tutor app, is a new recipient of Microsoft's AI for Accessibility grants to people using AI-powered technology to make the world a more inclusive place. Ten other recipients joining the program in conjunction with National Disability Awareness Month include City University of London, Enable, spelled I-N, capital A-B-L-E, Immersive, I, capital M-E-R-C-I-V, and The Open University. Quote, we have a huge opportunity and a responsibility to be making technology smarter and more useful for people with disabilities, says Mary Bellard, B-E-L-L-A-R-D, Microsoft Senior Architect Lead for Accessibility. The aim of the AI for Accessibility program, which began in 2018 and now has 32 grantees, is to help people build something really useful at the intersection of AI, accessibility, and disability. 
The Braille AI Tutor app is the latest project for Objective Ed's president, Marty Schultz, a longtime software developer and volunteer teacher who created an iPhone game five years ago called Blindfold Racer for children who are blind. It led to more than 80 games for the iPhone and iPad that have together been downloaded more than a half million times. Charlson, former president of the American Council of the Blind, is a big fan of Schultz's work. So is Judy Dixon, consumer relations officer for the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, and the two women often talked with him about the importance of Braille education for literacy and employment. Schultz took it to heart and to the drawing board. Some students who are blind or have low vision attend schools that are geared to their needs and where Braille is taught and used daily. But many attend public schools and learn Braille from teachers who visit their schools once a week, spending about an hour with each student. Quote, if you only get an hour a week with the teacher, I mean, how many kids would learn how to read print if they only had an hour a week of instruction, says Charlson. It's just not enough. You have to immerse yourself in it at the developmental stage, or you're not going to be as fluent in it as you need to be as an adult. The Braille AI Tutor app will incorporate AI-based speech recognition using Microsoft's Azure Speech API to help students practice reading Braille with personalized, gamified learning plans. The app will send a word or a sentence to a refreshable Braille display, one of the types of hardware used for reading Braille. The student will feel the word in Braille, say the word or sentence out loud, and then the app will process the audio feedback and let the student know immediately if they are correct or not. Teachers will be able to monitor students' progress with results sent to a web dashboard. Quote, we see our role as not teaching the student, but giving the student the ability to practice when that teacher's not around, Schultz says. The teacher teaches, and we make practicing fun and engaging and something that can be done without the teacher being there. So the next time the student meets with the teacher, the student has made some real progress, end of quote. Schultz says the extra practice will help students accelerate more quickly through school, which will lead to college and to much better employment opportunities in the future. Two longtime friends who watched their loved ones go through vision loss found another way to help, using technology to help people get to work or otherwise navigate their cities. Ben Liu, B-I-N-L-I-U, and Arjun A-R-J-U-N, Mali, M-A-L-I, are from different parts of the world, but their lives took parallel paths. Lu, born in China, moved at age nine with his family to Gabaron, Botswana, for several years because of his father's work as a civil engineer. Mali spent parts of his childhood in India and the United Arab Emirates, where his father worked for a while in sales of fiber optic networks. About 10 years ago, Lou's father was diagnosed with inoperable glaucoma. Molly's grandmother in India had partial sight, and he sometimes accompanied her to a local school for the blind, where she volunteered to read and teach English to the children. 
The two were in university when they met in Toronto and became friends playing poker. They often talked about some of the frustrations and indignities faced by people who are blind or have low vision, as well as ways to improve mobility for those with vision impairment. Quote, vision loss affected our families, and we saw an opportunity to create a technological solution that would impact that community, says Molly, who graduated with an economics degree from McMaster University in Ontario. Lou, who has a civil engineering degree from the University of Toronto, had been searching for devices that could help his dad navigate obstacles more precisely with his cane, and says he didn't find much. Lou and Molly developed their first product together, the Buzz Clip, B-U-Z-Z-C-L-I-P. It's a two-ounce clip-on wearable device that uses ultrasound to detect obstacles in a person's path then alerts the user with different vibrations and frequencies. Early on, the duo received support from the Impact Center, the University of Toronto's accelerator for startup tech companies, and in 2014, they formed their company, Immersive, Inc. Now, among the AI for Accessibility's latest grantees, Immersive is developing a navigation app called Map in Hood, M-A-P-I-N-H-O-O-D, for pedestrians who are blind or have low vision and who want to choose the routes they take if they're walking to work or to any destination. The app will audibly alert a person to hazards, from construction to high crime areas, to avoid while walking, as well as let them know about things they might need, like water fountains, benches, or ramps. It's all based on machine learning, crowdsourced data, and open source information from local law enforcement. Current navigation systems, in general, are optimized to generate routes that are the fastest or shortest for getting to a destination, but Lou says that's not always the best route for pedestrians with disabilities trying to find the best walking route to work, shops or parks, for example. The app is now in the alpha stages of being tested with help from the nonprofit Canadian National Institute for the Blind, which also works with Immersive on the Buzz Clip. The app uses Immersive's custom routing engine and with the AI for Accessibility grant will use Azure Machine Learning, Storage, and Virtual Machines. Map and Hood in Toronto will also be a template for the app in other cities. Quote, our focus is on personalization, making the app as flexible and as customizable as it can be, Lou says. Because of navigation for pedestrians in general, and especially for people with disabilities, you cannot have a single solution that fits all needs. End of quote. For people with autism, sometimes the biggest hurdle to employment is the interview. That's the focus of Nylanjan. N-I-L-A-N-J-A-N, Sarkar, S-A-R-K-A-R. A family member, a cousin's son, has autism, and in doing research later, Sarkar learned that people on the autism spectrum sometimes respond better when they deal with intelligent systems such as chatbots instead of people. Sarkar, director of the Robotics and 
Autonomous Systems Lab at Vanderbilt University in Tennessee is now leading a project aimed at helping people with autism perform well in job interviews using intelligent systems. Career Interview Readiness in Virtual Reality, CIRVR, is being developed in conjunction with Vanderbilt University's Frist Center for Autism and Innovation. Having joined the AI for Accessibility program earlier this year. In the U.S., there are approximately 2.5 million adults on the autism spectrum, Sarker says. Quote, 60% or more of them can do some work. However, 85% of those able to work are either underemployed or unemployed. End of quote. CIRVR is a virtual reality job interview platform that uses Azure AI and incorporates a computer avatar that acts as the interviewer, a wearable device that tracks interviewees' physiological measures such as heart rate and skin sweating to infer their anxiety using machine learning techniques and an eye tracker to gauge attention. Quote, this system will quantitatively, objectively gather lots of data regarding their anxiety, where they're looking, eye contact, how they're responding, what should they have done. And we believe we can create a feedback system so that by repeated practice, they will improve their interviewing skills, Sarker says. People with autism sometimes like to interact with things that respond in a routine way, in a predictable way, Sarker says. Human response, human interactions are not predictable, and that can be confusing, end of quote. Many times, he says, open-ended interview questions such as, can you tell me about an instance where you resolved a conflict? Or how did you help a teammate? Might create anxiety. So can tests with urgency, such as being asked to solve a programming problem quickly. Sarker says CIRVR testing has begun and will provide feedback to the interviewees so they can practice improving how they handle interviews. Overall results will also be evaluated for trends to possibly share with hiring managers at interested companies so they can learn how to modify their interview structure or how to ask questions differently if needed, Sarker says. Quote, we assume the interview protocol structure will not change overnight, he says. So this system aims to help people be better prepared when they're actually going out for an interview. All AI for Accessibility grantees have so much passion and expertise in the area of accessible technology, says Bellard of Microsoft. Quote, the amount of potential that there is for software or hardware to better meet the needs of people with disabilities and to raise the bar of what customers can come to expect of the role technology could play in their lives is just an amazing opportunity. Page 4. This comes from Living with Diabetes from Everyday Health, posted Monday, September 30. This is from Everyday Health. The author is Jessica Magala, M-I-G-A-L-A, and it is medically reviewed by Kelly Kennedy, R.D. This was first updated on 2-23-2018.
Common Diabetes Food Myths You Shouldn't Believe With all the information out there on how you should and shouldn't eat, it's easy to get caught up in false information. Here are several myths to ignore, starting now. You can never have your favorite foods again. Not true, even if it's a sugary cupcake or white bread. Although no one should make these foods a regular part of their meal plan, there are no foods that are entirely off-limits with diabetes, says Polinsky Wade. Sugar is bad. Eat no more than 10% of your total calories from added sugars, Polinsky Wade recommends. This is no different than the guidelines for everyone, meaning you can still enjoy a few bites of dessert if you like. You shouldn't eat fruit. The positive news about berries, apples, and melons, in addition to numerous other types of fruit, is that they contain health-promoting vitamins, antioxidants, and fiber, points out Polinsky Wade. Fruit can definitely be part of your diabetes diet. You have to make yourself a special meal. Diabetes is not a sentence to eat boring, bland food. You can eat the same food as your family and even add in special foods here and there, according to the Jocelyn Diabetes Center. Going low-carb for diabetes, does it work? Carbs have been traditionally looked at as the enemy of people with type 2 diabetes, but they don't have to be. You can still eat carbs, including grains, on a diabetes-eating plan, says Polinsky Wade. The key is to get those carbs from smart sources, whole grains, legumes, fruits, dairy, and limit your carb intake to no more than 60 grams per meal in general and space them out throughout the day for best blood sugar control. But if you are interested in going low carb, there is some evidence that this type of diet plan can be beneficial to those with type 2 diabetes. For instance, a preliminary research review in 2017 found that a low-carb plan helped adults with diabetes lower their triglyceride levels and boost good HDL cholesterol. It may also have mind-body benefits, as people said they were less stressed and happier between meals. Another review concluded that low-carb diets drop blood sugar glucose levels and allow people to use less medication or eliminate it completely. The authors recommend it as a first-line treatment for diabetes. While the benefits are exciting, if you do go low-carb, be aware of the risks, which include nutrient deficiencies. You may also not get enough fiber if you're not eating enough non-starchy vegetables. Eating too much protein can also compromise kidney health. What are the best popular diet plans for people managing type 2 diabetes? Healthy eating, following the guidelines below on building a diabetes meal plan and focusing on making nutritious choices most of the time can help you shed weight. Working with a registered dietitian who is also a certified diabetes educator can help you reach your goal weight while meeting all of your nutritional needs. That said, you may like the direction offered by a diet plan. The two that are suggested for people with diabetes time and time again are the Mediterranean diet and the DASH, Dietary Approaches to Stop Hypertension Diet. 
Unlike so-called diets, many of which are designed only for the short term, these eating approaches aim to set the foundation for building and maintaining lifelong habits. Polinsky Wade favors the Mediterranean diet because it's been researched for decades and has been shown to be beneficial at reducing the risk of heart disease, she says. That's important because people with diabetes are up to four times more likely to die from heart disease compared with adults without diabetes. Following the Mediterranean diet, you'll focus on whole foods in the form of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, olive oil, legumes, nuts, and poultry and fish, while limiting red meat. Another diet option to consider is the DASH diet. The DASH diet has been found to be beneficial at reducing blood sugar levels, a key risk factor for heart disease and kidney disease. Because both of these disease risks are elevated with diabetes, this style of eating may promote the reduction in the risk of comorbid conditions associated with diabetes, Polinsky Wade explains. Similar to the Mediterranean diet, the DASH diet promotes eating fruits and vegetables, whole grains, fish and poultry, beans, nuts, as well as fat-free or low-fat dairy. You can also cap sodium, 2300 milligrams per day, 1500 milligrams if advised by a doctor. What are some diet plans that may benefit people with type 2 diabetes? While it's best to talk to your doctor before starting any diet plan, it's especially important to talk to them if you're interested in the following. Ketogenic diet. You'll eat as few carbs on this plan, 20 to 50 grams a day, to achieve a state of ketosis where your body burns fat for fuel instead of carbs. Quote, there is some research that suggests ketogenic diets may help to reduce insulin resistance and improve blood glucose levels, says Polinsky Wade. Indeed, one study of adults with type 2 diabetes who followed a ketogenic diet for 10 weeks improved glycemic control and helped patients lower their dosage of medication. Still, it's a controversial diet, so make sure to weigh the pros and cons with your physician. Intermittent fasting, IF. The IF diet asks you to limit the time you eat to a certain number of hours per day or to eat a very low number of calories on certain days. And limited research, small studies, and animal trials have shown benefits to fasting glucose and weight. That said, skipping meals may hinder blood sugar control or cause low blood sugar hypoglycemia, especially if you're on insulin. So talk to your doctor about the risks and benefits before attempting. Paleo diet. The premise of this plan is to eat like our hunter-gatherer ancestors, focusing on fruits, vegetables, nuts, lean meat, and certain fats. It eliminates grains, legumes, and other dairy. One study in 2015 found that both paleo diets and the guidelines from the ADA improved glucose control in patients with type 2 diabetes, though the paleo dieters came out on top. 
What are the worst popular diet plans for people living with type 2 diabetes? Any diet that is gimmicky, not backed by research, is too restrictive or makes too good to be true promises, like losing X amount of weight in a certain amount of time, is worth skipping. Examples include juice fats, cleanses or detoxes, the cabbage soup diet, the military diet, and the body reset diet. The last ranks 40 out of 40 of diets analyzed by U.S. News and World Report's rankings of best diets for diabetes. Four tips for building a good diabetes meal plan. Your first stop should be connecting with a registered dietitian who is a certified diabetes educator. Search for one near you at eatright.org and your primary doctor to figure out how many carbohydrates you should eat per meal based on your individual needs, says Polinsky Wade. From there, follow these steps. Know like foods. Use a diabetes exchange list which tells you how foods compare in terms of their carbohydrate content. For instance, one apple and one half cup applesauce both contain about 15 grams of carbs. Or learn how to count carbohydrates, a system of thinking of carbohydrates in foods in 15 gram units. This will help you determine proper portions. Use the Create Your Plate tool. When you're just getting started, it's helpful to envision exactly what your plate should look like. The ADA has a Create Your Plate tool that will help immensely. With enough practice, this will become second nature. They recommend filling half your plate with non-starchy vegetables, broccoli, spinach, tomatoes, one quarter with grains, preferably whole or starchy foods, sweet potato, plantain, and another quarter with lean protein, beans, seafood, skinless chicken. Top it off. A smart addition to the meal is a serving of fruit or non-fat or low-fat dairy. Drink water or unsweetened tea or coffee. Season right. Using salt on your foods is fine and enhances flavor, but watch how much you add. Aim for less than 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day and less than 1,500 milligrams daily if you have heart disease. Using dried herbs and spices is another way to add sodium-free flavor to food for non-calories. A diabetes diet sample menu to follow. Day 1. Veggie omelet. One whole egg plus two egg whites topped with reduced fat cheese plus fruit. Snack. Plain, non-fat or low-fat Greek yogurt and berries. Lunch. Salad. Dark lettuce or leafy greens topped with chicken breast and chickpeas with olive oil and vinegar dressing. Snack. Celery or carrot sticks with nut butter. Dinner. Grilled salmon, steamed broccoli, and quinoa. Day 2. Breakfast. Fruit smoothie made with low-fat milk, yogurt, and chia seeds. Optional. Snack. Unsalted almonds with a piece of fruit. Lunch. Turkey chili with reduced-fat cheese. Snack. Sliced vegetables and hummus. Dinner. 
tofu and veggie stir-fry over round dinner tofu and veggie stir-fry over brown rice day three breakfast old-fashioned or steel-cut oatmeal topped with fruit and nuts snack roasted chickpeas lunch turkey sandwich on whole wheat with sliced veggies snack fat-free or low-fat cottage cheese with a sliced peach dinner tray bake all foods baked on the same tray made with shrimp or roasted vegetables three simple tips for dining out it can seem tough to navigate a menu when you're eating out but it's not impossible enjoy your time with friends and eat delicious food with these guidelines from Polinsky Wade have an app before you leave it's tempting to save up calories throughout the day to help plan for a night out but that approach can backfire you'll be famished by the time you get there and less likely to make a healthy choice when you order eat a small healthy snack before you go like some nuts or a low-fat plain yogurt this can help decrease hunger and prevent overeating she says envision your plate ideally your plate should look very similar to how it does at home with a couple of small tweaks one half vegetables steamed if possible one fourth lean protein and one fourth whole grains you want to be careful not to eat too many carbs at one sitting and avoid meals packed with saturated fat says Polinsky weight sip smart alcohol stokes your appetite so if you do have alcohol make sure to talk to your doctor first if you're on medication do so near the end of the meal limit it to one glass how to find extra help building a type 2 diabetes friendly diet if you have diabetes you already know how helpful having a strong support system can be but that network should extend beyond just your friends and family that's where that registered dietitian or certified diabetes educator comes into play. Quote, diabetes is a very individual disease, depending on factors like your age, activity level, insulin resistance and medication, your dietary goals and carbohydrate goals can vary greatly. Polinsky Wade explains, a professional who knows nutrition and diabetes inside and out can help you create a plan that meets your goals for weight loss and glucose levels, but isn't so restrictive that you can't enjoy your favorite foods, she adds. Five excellent books that offer type 2 diabetes-friendly recipes. The Type 2 Diabetic Cookbook and Action Plan, a three-month kickstart guide for living well with type 2 diabetes, by Martha McKittrick, M-C-K-I-T-T-R-I-C-K, R-D-C-D-E, and Michelle Anderson Diabetes Weight Loss Week by Week A Safe Effective Method for Losing Weight and Improving Your Health by Jill Weisenberger W-E-I-S-E-N-B-E-R-G-E-R R-D-C-D-E Diabetic Cookbook for Two 125 Perfectly Portioned Heart Healthy Low Carb Recipes by Jennifer Coslow K-O-S-L-O RD Eat What You Love Diabetic Cookbook Comforting Balanced Meals by Lori Zanini Z A N I N I R D C D E 
The American Diabetes Association Diabetes Comfort Food Cookbook by Robin Webb. Putting it all together, why diet choices are key for type 2 diabetes management. Your diet is one of the main pillars of good diabetes control. What you eat can help or hinder insulin resistance, says Polinsky Wade. While it seems like there is a lot to remember, the basic tenets boil down to simple, nutritious eating. In the end, you can cut through the noise by considering a few things when you sit down to eat. Aim for a well-balanced diet, limited in simple sugars and rich in whole plant-based foods, such as vegetables and fruit, along with lean proteins, whole grains, and healthy plant-based fats, she says. Remember that and you don't need to follow a ton of rules, even when you have type 2 diabetes. APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Page 5. The Sound Prince Calendar. On October 25, Savvy will have an arts and crafts class from 10 to noon Central Time at the Wesleyan Heights United Methodist Church, 1215 Sherm Road in Owensboro. For more information, call 270-684-4418 or 270-686-8689. On October 25, GLCB will have another roundabout. There will be Education and Technology from 3.30 to 5, Tip Sheet from 5 to 5.30, Page Turners 5.30 to 6, Dinner 6 to 7, KCB Next Generation Activity, Games and Crafts, all from 7 until 9.30 at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Sign up by calling 502-895-4598. On October 26, Halloween Mask Making. From 10.30 a.m. until 12.30 p.m., masks have been a part of many cultures throughout history. They are useful for hiding identities, but also for inciting fear or awe or other emotions. Sighted people tend to de depend on the visual for their effects, but textures and shapes can convey emotions as well. APH Museum staff will guide participants of all ages and abilities as they make scary or friendly Halloween masks and headdresses using tactile materials. Free, but registration is required for ages 6 and up at the American Printing House Museum 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. Call 502-899-2213 for more information and to register. October 26, ACB Next Generation will have its Saturday night live hangout. 8 p.m. by phone. This is for ACB members and individuals 40 and under. And this is a nationwide call. For more information, call Amanda Salm at 502-750-1774. The phone number to join the call is 
900-6833 and the code is 3572-595-193. On October 27, the Kentucky School for the Blind alumni will hold a board meeting at 8 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. October 28 is the next Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana membership call. This is at 7 p.m. Eastern Time by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. Also on October 28, Savvy, the Support Alliance, the Visually Impaired, will have a Budget Committee meeting at 8 p.m. Central Time on the phone number 669 669- Nine zero zero six eight three three. Enter code three five seven two five nine five one nine three. Looking ahead to November, a few highlights. On November three, ACB families will have a peer support group meeting at nine p.m. Eastern time. The number is seven one two four three two thirty nine hundred, and the code is seven nine six zero nine six. November 7 will be the American Council of Blind Lions conference call meeting. This is a monthly meeting for blind lions from around the country. This is an excellent opportunity to share ideas about how to be involved in local clubs. At 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the number is 712-432-3900 and the code is 796096. November 15 and 16. Kentucky Council of the Blind State Conference and Convention. KCB in the spotlight. Enjoy workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and friends at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Rooms available at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. Rates are $79 a night plus tax for up to four people in a room. KCB will provide transportation between the Ramada and United Crescent Hill Ministries using Uber and Lyft. For hotel reservations, call 502-897-5101 and be sure to tell them that you are with the Kentucky Council of the Blind when you call in order to obtain our discounted rate. On November 16, radio days from 1 to 3 p.m., We celebrate 100 years of radio broadcasting by taking you back to a time before computers, before television, when families would gather around the radio to listen to soap operas, spine-chilling dramas, gripping mysteries, and gut-splitting comedies. The first radio broadcast occurred in 1919. 100 years later, we bring you our own live radio broadcast with vocals by talking book narrators from the APH Sound Studio and sound effects by students at the Kentucky School for the Blind. Note, this activity will also be part of the KCB convention, so come to the convention and plan to attend the play as well. And in December, on December 7, the Christmas with the Council party will be from 4.30 until 9 p.m. at United Crescent Home Ministries, sponsored by the Tri-State Library Users, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana, KCB Next Generation, and the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind. More details coming soon. Call 502-895-4598.
December 8th, the 8th Annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction will be coming to you from 6 p.m. until all items are sold. Listen on ACB Radio, ACB Link, the Alexa Skill apps for ACB Radio, or on the phone at 605-475-8130. More details coming soon. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.